0: What if everything we see as a pathology is actually a possibility? What else is possible with mental health? Hi everyone, Dr. Adriana Popescu here with you today with another episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. I have with me today somebody I'm very excited to speak with. Uh, I know her well. Her name is Camille Hildebrand, and she is a native of the San Francisco Bay Area with over 10 years of combined personal and professional experience in the field of addiction and mental health treatment. She is currently the founder and chief executive officer of Avery Lane, an all-female substance abuse and trauma specialized program in Marin County. Prior to creating Avery Lane six years ago, Camille worked in various roles within gender-specific substance abuse programs. She brings a wealth of knowledge into creating a program that creates uh, and encourages and supports women seeking long-term sobriety and recovery. Through her personal and professional experience with substance abuse and addiction, Camille has dedicated herself to helping individuals who are struggling and helping to show them the path to the life of freedom in recovery. Welcome, Camille. Thank
1: you, thanks for having me.
0: Yes, I'm very excited. As you know, we work together at Avery Lane. So I really am wanting for us to just have a conversation about the work that we've done, um, the really cool things that I think we're doing differently um, that set us apart from some of the more traditional uh, addiction treatment models. Um, But first I always like to start all my uh, interviews with asking the guests about themselves, their own personal journey, how did you get into doing this work and what motivates you to do it? Yeah,
1: so I am in recovery myself. Um, and ever since I got sober, I was kind of looking at what I wanted to do for my life and what I wanted to create. And and um, I kept on coming back to working in treatment and it wasn't something that I initially anticipated doing. Um, but the the moment um, that I was immersed in the clinical and medical team and care of um, a program that I used to work at before Avery Lane, um, I was immediately inspired. And it was the conversations around how we treat each individual and the different aspects and and facets of their lives and their history and um, how we can really support them and what tools and techniques we can use um, to pull from both clinically and medically. I was immediately inspired and and drawn to wanting to further my own education to um, really see how I can continue to help people, either helping people that help the the clients um, or beyond that. Um, So I have always been an advocate of gender specific and separate treatment. Um, I think that there's something special that I've seen that happens when you get a group of men or get a group of women together and create a safe space where they feel comfortable to be vulnerable and talk about their underlying core issues. Um, Because in my opinion, if they're not addressing each underlying issue while they're in treatment, um, that that could be a trigger leading them to a relapse after they complete our program or a program. Um, so, and everyone has different issues, and I think that's something that comes up a lot when we look at what modalities to bring into treatment. Is it's not one size fits all. Um, I think that every individual can respond differently to different modalities and different techniques. Um, so it's important to, to kind of introduce them to a variety of different things and see what they might benefit from more than others. Um, um, Yeah, so Avery Lane, we opened Avery Lane about five years ago. And um, initially, I wanted to going looking at my own recovery experience, I saw that there wasn't one thing that really helped me in my own recovery. It wasn't just AA or just a clinical treatment. Um, it was a variety of different things, and I'm con- continuing to explore different techniques to support myself and my own growth journey, my own recovery, um, and part of what I wanted to create when I opened Avery Lane was a space to uh, introduce a, a variety of different techniques, um, which is why I partnered with you.
0: Yes, yes, thank you. You said a few really important things that I want to highlight. Um, one was the piece around gender-specific treatment. Um It is true. And I I think there is even some research out there that indicates that when you offer that to folks, even if it's within a co-ed program, but you have a couple of gender-specific groups, like I remember at other programs I used to work at where we had, at least we had a women's group, you know, and at least we had a men's group, uh, because it can be distracting. Um, Some people have experienced abuse at the hands of someone of the other sex, you know, so... It is really, it's underestimated, but I think what we have found, especially when we are working with clients from other um, providers, you know, when they're sending their clients to our programs, how critical it is to create that safe space. And sometimes just being with all women or all men really allows for that. Um, so that's super important. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the other thing that you talked about is individualized treatment. And I think that that is also a newer idea in addiction treatment because before and in many, many programs uh, in the country, it's still one size fits all. And, and, and you have programs that are, for example, 12 step based, and that's the, that's the model and you don't deviate from it and everything falls within that. And we've seen so many people who've tried that and it just, you know, for some people it's great. It's, it's something that works. And for a lot of other people, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've had,
1: we've had quite a few um, clients come into our program where they've been through multiple treatment programs and nothing's worked, and they come to us with a degree of hopelessness, thinking that they're the one percent where treatment doesn't work for them, and which is not the case. It's really that they just haven't found a technique and and a clinical tool that might work for them more than what they've been exposed to in the past.
0: Exactly. Um, And so I know one of the things that we offer at Avery Lane in terms of like peer support, which is what AA and other programs like that are, we try to actually um, expose our clients to other um, self-help types of groups, right? Not just AA. What are some of the other things that we've offered to folks? Yeah,
1: so outside of 12-step, there's Life Ring, there's Refuge Recovery, Dharma Recovery, Smart Recovery. Uh, There's a variety of different peer support group um, out there. And I think one thing that we've always advocated for is that it's helpful to have a community after you leave treatment. You're in this community in in the treatment program while you're um, going through the treatment process. And it's been super imperative to have people connected with other people in recovery after they leave um, because they're, they're missing that from what they created in treatment. Um, so whether it's 12-step or non-12-step based, we'll expose them to all these different modalities or all these different groups while they're in treatment. Um, but after they leave, our goal, our hope is that they find something that works for them so that they can continue.
0: Yeah, I don't think people always understand what how isolating addiction can be, right? You know, a lot of the folks we see, um it's not about going to parties and having a good time for them. Their addiction has progressed to uh a lot of social isolation, being alone in their house like with the curtains drawn, um very depressed, very isolated uh so th- that sense of community and the sense of connection like needing to have those connections with other people um, who aren't there to judge you who aren't there to try to make you change like maybe friends and family um, other more neutral supportive people that can really contribute to that person feeling like i these are safe people i can talk with these are people i could go to if i feel like i want to use again and sometimes the loved ones if they don't know about addiction they don't really get it
1: yeah Yeah. And it it kind of helps normalizing their thoughts, feelings around like what's coming up for them in their lives because they're around other people that have been through similar things that are struggling with similar things. So that, that connection and community is definitely helpful.
0: Yeah. And I think education is so important too. I know we have a family program and we try to educate the loved ones of our clients. I mean, so many people still think that rehab means you know, you go to this place for 28 days and then you're cured. And then, you know, the, the addiction goes away. All you need to do is stop drinking, stop using, and then you're cured. Now, can you, uh, can you uh, dis- debrief us about how that's not actually true?
1: Sure. Well, I'll start with the fact that there's been significant amount of research that shows that that doesn't work and actually longer term treatment actually supports and and greater outcomes, longer sobriety, um, better relationships, um, and, you know, just a shift in their life out in in recovery. But it stems from really doing the work in long-term treatment. And what long-term usually means is longer than a 30-day program. Um, What we usually recommend at Avery Lane is a long-term continuum of care, which could be you know, a 30, 60, or 90-day track or anything in between in a residential program, a live-in facility, um, where they're getting full clinical and medical treatment, and then step-down options within a PHP or IOP level of care and outpatient, um, which would support them as they reintegrate into the outside world and go back into their lives of what that looked like um, before treatment. So a job, families, um, but still connected with the treatment team that's supporting them as they come across real life triggers, real life issues. Um, But they're slowly titrating back into the real world without having gone from a completely isolated setting within a residential program back into the real world. They have a little bit of in-between support Uh, But that's really is what's shown that works and that is that continues to be shown within the work that we've done. Most of our clients that go through all of our programs and stay for the recommended treatment um, based on the individual's needs do stay sober. Yes.
0: And we have data to support that. Now, you know, what, what we're doing in addition to a lot of other programs is we've started collecting data about not only how our clients are doing in treatment. But what happens when they leave treatment, we stay connected, you know, to them through our alumni meetings and and our alumni coordinator contacts them and things like that. But we also are actually checking in with them up to a year after treatment to see if they how they're doing, how are they doing with their recovery, how are they doing with their mental health? Because I want to talk about that piece as well. Um, How important is it to address co-occurring mental health issues?
1: Yeah, um, I think it's it's very important, and I, I know that it's a relatively newer topic in the treatment industry um, to bring in the treatment of co-occurring and dual diagnoses into the treatment of substance abuse. I think what we've found is that addiction and, and alcoholism is more a symptom of underlying issues that haven't been addressed and haven't been treated Um, So our goal within Avery Lane as a dual diagnosis program is to address those issues, both clinically and medically, um, with a psychiatrist, with group and individual therapy. Um, But as those issues are not addressed, um, that could lead to a client um, relapsing after treatment or becoming triggered. Uh, They need to understand what their underlying core issues are, so they do have the tools to support themselves after they leave our program.
0: Right, and and again, what the data is showing us is that the vast majority, if not up to like 80 or 90 percent of people who have addictions, do actually also have a co-occurring mental health diagnosis, which means something like depression, anxiety, um, PTSD, some, some other mental health condition that is perhaps the symptoms of which they are trying to medicate with the drugs and alcohol. Um, I know even in traditional programs and, and some 12 step meetings, still, you might see a bias against people taking psychotropic meds, right? Like antidepressants Mm -hmm. and things like that. Uh, some people are still saying that that's, uh, you know, you're, you're using drugs that change alter the mood altering chemicals. What's your, what's your take on that?
1: Yeah, I think, I, I think it depends on the individual. I think some people can benefit more from other modalities like medications than others. Um, I think, um, and I've, I've seen it be very helpful for people when they're in treatment, when they're outside of treatment. Um, and I, it just depends on, on the person. Um, I, I think that, that AA specifically um, can have an old judgment around it. And I think it's because like times have changed, you know, in the past like 10, 20, 30 years with all these different uh, medications and treatments of addictive disorders and dual diagnosis has come out, um, more and more people are using it. And that just means that times are changing. And um, but it's been super important and helpful for our clients. Um, and our goal really within Avery Lane is, is not to over-medicate in any way, especially even during detox, um, but to support the client so they can be present for the clinical part of their treatment program. If a client's super anxious and they're not able to be grounded in themselves to be present for a group therapy, then they're not getting that, those tools that are being presented. Um, so, it's helpful if, if a medication can help someone um, be, get, become grounded enough, present enough, um, and safe enough to be present for those skills, then it's worth it to, to support them.
0: Right. And what's also has emerged again, you know, from, I mean, we're kind of going over some more traditional concepts in treatment and some of the newer science based, you know, what research is showing us. Another piece of that is MAT, medication assisted treatment. Can you tell us what that is and how we're using that in our program?
1: Sure. Medication-assisted treatment are different medications that support clients within long-term recovery. Um, a lot of them can be opioid blockers, alcohol blockers, and just how it it works within your system to, um, to lower, uh, lower cravings um, or even block the receptors to avoid clients or patients feeling the effects of the drugs and alcohol. So a lot of those medications can be Suboxone, Naltrexone, Vivitrol, um, Antabuse, and they can be like an oral medication, uh, an injection, a monthly injection. Um, How we've used it for our clients is again, case by case, it depends on the individual, their history, Um, And based on that, we'll make a decision on what medication would be beneficial for them um, and kind of plug that into their aftercare plan as well. Uh, But it's been shown to be really helpful for our clients that, especially the ones that have been through multiple treatment programs um, or have had multiple relapses and need that additional support that a medication can provide.
0: Yes. Yes. And I wanna, you, you actually, it's a nice segue into what, we're, what I wanna talk about next, which is we tend to see, and I think other addiction providers would agree, we tend to see folks that this isn't their first um, attempt at recovery. Uh, many of our clients have been to sometimes six, seven, 10 different treatment programs before. Um, one of the things that we see is, so what hasn't been addressed before, and one of the things we often see is trauma, that there's often unresolved trauma unresolved mental health issues of other kinds at the root of this ongoing relapsing addictive behavior. Can you talk about the role that trauma plays and how important that is to address in treatment?
1: Absolutely. I think just as we've discussed about dual di- treating the dual diagnosis and co-occurring disorders, I think trauma is just alongside that same idea that it, it needs to be addressed while they're in treatment. And I think there's a lot of fear around Treating trauma and how much we treat trauma in a residential level of care, um, and again, I believe that if it's not treated or addressed in some way, depending on the individual and how deep they are able and willing and appropriate to go, um, I think it's it's setting them up to potentially relapse. Um, and deeper trauma work can be can be um, continued within outpatient or referrals to our, to an aftercare program after they leave our residential if they don't continue in our outpatient, but I believe that it is important to address trauma. Um, And I think what we do at Avery Lane is use a variety of different trauma techniques that don't cause flooding, that don't cause um, intense trauma triggers to come up or feelings that come up, Um, but it is treating the symptoms of trauma. Mm
0: -hmm. Exactly, yes. And you know, I really wanna highlight this because I've been in the industry now for over 20 years And what I always learned was that, oh, you don't touch the trauma. You don't go and do trauma processing with people in recovery until they have at least six months to a year sober and they're stable enough. Well, what do we see? We see people who can't get six months to a year sober because their trauma is severe, because they keep having recurring symptoms of it. And so why wouldn't we address that while in residential treatment, in particular, in a safe environment, in a place where if they do let's say they were to get triggered or flooded or overwhelmed or somewhere, they're they're safe. They're much safer in our care than they would be out there, you know, on the streets or wherever, you know, um, dealing with symptoms of trauma that have come up. You know, we have a lot of clients with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, and have had really, some really horrific things happen in their lives.
1: Yeah, and I think part of what we're doing too is not just cognitive processing around the trauma or the traumatic events that the clients have been through. Um, and I think that that is c- could be the reason why a lot of programs or, or providers don't want to touch that because that piece can be can be a lot for clients. Um, and I think it's through the different modalities that we've brought into Avery Lane um, that really
0: support
1: us in slowly breaking through the trauma um, and treating it directly. That's been helpful.
0: Yes. So as someone who specializes in energy psychology, um, the part that's been exciting for me, especially in the last really five five years or so, um, is how much the science has finally caught up to what we've been doing in clinical practice. There's many of us who have been using these more holistic oriented therapies And we do have, you know, like tapping, for example, EFT, right? This is something we use in our program. Um, It's based on traditional Chinese medicine that's been around for 5,000 years. So if something's been around for 5,000 years, there's probably something to it. Um, But what I love is how much science has finally caught up and really validated. And we have research now. We have over 200 published studies on this particular modality alone that tell us that this stuff works and we now understand why it isn't just about, yes, we're balancing the energy flows in the body. We're removing, um, energy blockages, like what the Chinese might say, but now we know we're actually working with the parts of the brain that are underlying the trauma and the addiction itself. That's what's really exciting to me. Um, so I'll talk more about the specific science, but can you talk about how we bring those scientific principles into the program?
1: Sure. So I think kind of backing up from looking at what I wanted to create at Avery Lane, I, I knew that, that we as treatment providers use a very similar core toolbox of modalities within each program. Um, and I think those modalities are really beneficial. A lot of the CBT, the DBT tools, um, they've been really supportive of clients in treating addictive disorders. Um, and I also knew that people still relapse after treatment um, treatment isn't down to an exact science. There's no cure for addiction um, treatment isn't going to cure you of addictive disorders. It's not one quick fix and then you're done. Um, it is constant work within in inpatient and outpatient treatment and throughout your recovery. Um, but I wanted to to bring in other modalities that weren't necessarily used or seen in treatment that have helped me, me individually, and also partner with people like you, Adriana, and our medical director that are constantly staying up to date on the latest research on how to treat not do- just addiction, but trauma and, and co-occurring issues that uh, might be a little bit out there, uh, but maybe could make a huge difference in the lives of our clients. So, um, I think energy psychology specifically bringing that into our program, I haven't seen I, I haven't seen a lot of any other programs use those tools and skills. Um, and I've seen it be very helpful for our clients. These are hands-on tools that we're giving our clients that they can take with them after they leave treatment. The tapping, for instance, they can learn tapping. Um, within a group, they'll use it throughout our program with different staff members, not just in a group setting. Um, And that way when they leave leave our program, um, they can remember these hands-on tools that they were given and they don't need to to sit with a therapist to uh, be able to treat um, or address any triggers or um, anxious feelings that are coming up in that moment. Um, They have a toolbox that they're given. Um, so that's something that I love about the energy psychology tools, that they're so hands-on, they're easy to use, um, and they're so effective for our clients.
0: Yeah, agreed. And you said a key piece there is that uh, and what I, how I hear it is empowering. We are empowering our clients to regulate their nervous systems, to use. Proven tools that will help them change the way they're thinking and feeling. Because what our folks are coming in with is the idea that the only way I can change the way I feel is by taking this drug, right, um, or or drinking or whatever it is. And we're showing them that while in treatment, like, nope, actually you can do these other things that are actually more effective, that don't have a hangover or side effect that actually work faster than a drink or pill would work. Um, And I think that is such a huge part of what we do. That's kind of unique and different from other treatment programs. Um, And you're right. We use tools like the tapping and some of the other things uh, both as in the moment, you know, when clients are getting like dysregulated and they're having trauma triggers or whatever it is they're going through, even through detox, you know, that can be really intense and emotional for people, Um, we're giving them tools in the moment that'll help calm them down. Because one of the things that we've really learned from the science is that when we're dealing with emotional dysregulation, when we're dealing with addiction, we're talking about more primitive parts of the brain. We actually have three brains, our reptilian, mammalian, and human. And this human part of our brain, the logical reasonable part like that you and I are engaging in right now, Unfortunately, that part goes offline when someone has a strong emotional trigger, when they're re-experiencing trauma memories or when they are having a craving to drink or use, that's a more primitive part of the brain. This is why the CBT and DBT stuff, well, mostly CBT I'll speak to, really like you can't logic and reason your way through that. You, you don't even have access to your that part of your brain in those moments. Your brain is literally getting hijacked by the more primitive parts.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's so important to give people these tools to calm the nervous system. And yeah, it might be tapping, but it also might be breathing. We give them really simple breathing techniques. We give them so many different tools where it's like a giant buffet. Look at all these tools that we have found that work. Which ones are going to work for you? And I love that we have them do coping cards, you know, where they write down like what their top tools are that they're learning in treatment. And we really are encouraging them when they get to outpatient or, you know, whatever, to keep using those tools. And then we use those tools with them to do the deeper trauma processing. I can do really deep trauma processing with tapping. And I can also use something called brain spotting, which I've loved that we brought into the program. Um, I want to talk about that a little bit, too. Brain spotting is actually uh, derived from EMDR eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy, which has been around for at least 50 years and has been shown to be a really powerful trauma treatment. But the brain spotting has really um, taken off for us. And I want you to say a little bit about what you've noticed with that.
1: Sure, absolutely. Um, So I remember a couple years ago when we were initially thinking about bringing it in and um, I'm always all for something new and exciting that's been shown to be effective and um, what we usually do when we're exploring different modalities to bring into our program is we'll usually test it out, um, see how it goes with a few different clients, um, continue our research and outcome studies and see if we notice a difference on that level And brain spotting was like very clear. It was making a a difference with clients, especially those that struggle with PTSD and trauma. Um, So we immediately got all of our therapists trained in brain spotting. So everyone's doing brain spotting. It's not just a client has a trauma therapist or we have one therapist on our staff that can do brain spotting. All of our clinicians are trained in brain spotting. All of our clients are receiving that, that therapy Um, And it's been it's it's been pretty amazing watching clients that will be completely upregulated, triggered, anxious, um, no tools are working in the moment. It's hard to reach them because they're not in here. They're back here and they'll go into a brain spotting session and they'll come out completely grounded and completely back into their body um, and it's lasting effects, too. And I don't know the science behind it. I just know my experience of receiving it myself and watching our clients, um, but it works. And that's the part that I'm excited about is that it works. Yes.
0: Well, I mean, I can just say really what what happens with trauma is that um, most of us do not get a chance when we are experiencing the trauma in the moment, we don't get a chance to actually, process through it and release it. You know, the example I give to clients and, and when I'm teaching on this topic, cause I'm the one who usually teaches about how the science of trauma and how it works um, in groups. I have, you know, that as one of my topics that I cover. And what we know is that um, like, if we were we're all, you know the fight, flight, freeze mechanism which is really underlying this, right? And it's run by more primitive parts of our brain and we all have it, you know if we're being chased by a tiger we want to be able to run Fight the tiger or play dead and hope it leaves us alone. The problem is that people who've experienced a lot of trauma have that mechanism getting overstimulated, like their brain is misinterpreting life or death threats in situations that are not that, right? And so what we're doing with the brain spotting, with the energy psychology stuff, even with the breathing is we're actually... um, showing their nervous systems that the, the body does not need to respond in this fight, flight, freeze response, that we are safe. We're teaching the, bo- the people and their bodies to know that they're safe and they don't need to activate all the cortisol and the adrenaline and all of the things that come with that fight, flight, freeze response. Um, so being able to get people out of that In the moment, and then doing the deeper processing around those unresolved traumas. So, if you know, if you had outrun a tiger, if you watch nature shows, you'll see this the tiger, you know, is chasing like a gazelle. Let's say the gazelle gets away. When that gazelle finally gets to a safe place, it shakes out the trauma, you know, it releases all that energy from its body. So it no longer has to carry it with, with them. But people don't always get a chance to do that. So we've got all these people coming to our program who have trauma locked into their bodies, locked into their brains. And what these techniques do is they access that trauma, that energy of trauma, undischarged traumatic stress, and allows people to process it and release it in safe ways. And it's just been, honestly, it's been miraculous. Like what I've seen... With the clients that I've worked with these, again, these horrific traumas, um, the fact that they are able to work through that and get through the other side and say, yeah, that was a horrible thing that happened to me, but I'm no longer feeling that traumatic energy when I think about it. I'm in a calmer, more neutral space around it. That is miraculous and the other thing I appreciate about brain
1: spotting and the other trauma therapies that we do is it's not cognitive based because a lot of times it's hard to reach where the trauma is stored in our body through cognitive processing. Cause we can't always go there. We don't know where it, it is. We don't always, we can't always reach it. So I appreciate the, the techniques that are able to target where it's located in your body, dissipate that. And it's not like having to pull teeth or really like really dive into that underlying, those underlying traumas and the events, it's it's a lot more, it's done in a lot more of a peaceful way, which I appreciate
0: too. Yeah. People don't necessarily even have to talk about what happened, right? Mm -hmm. We can do trauma processing without even having the person talk or verbalize it. It's about giving their body, their mind, their spirit, which to me you know, are inseparable. It's like giving the whole being a chance to work through this energy that's gotten stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why we also offer hands-on therapies as well, right? We're, we're, we're using nonverbal uh, techniques, also things like Reiki that we offer our clients, right? Or access bars or even equine-assisted therapy or art therapy. These are all different ways that we can access um, these, um, I call them energies, but you know, these experiences that people have had that are root causes to their addiction, but addressing them in a non-verbal, more somatic, more energetic kind of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and let's talk about the spiritual since we're talking holistic. Yeah. So physical, mental, emotional, and then spiritual, how do we bring the spiritual into our program at Avery Lane?
1: Yeah. So we use a variety of different things. A lot of it kind of um, comes from, you know, we'll start with like meditation groups. And I think I see how we, we treat that aspect of someone with helping them get back into their body and reconnecting to um, the energy around them, um, their spiritual side. Um, But I think a lot of it kind of stems from that, those meditation practices Um, and the different groups that we do that, that kind of help them
0: reconnect. Mm -hmm. And conscious recovery is a big part of that, right? We're a conscious recovery certified program. Conscious recovery is developed by our good friend and colleague, TJ Woodward. And can you talk a little bit about how that, how that work has impacted the clients and the work that we do, even as clinicians? What do you, what's your take on that?
1: Absolutely. We love conscious recovery. I love conscious recovery. And I think um, I think part of the reason why it's been so helpful for our clients is it takes a lot of the shame out of the client's history and their drug use and alcohol use. I think we come, a lot of us, uh, myself included, when I came into recovery, I carried with me a huge amount of shame and guilt from my past and how I acted and in my addiction. Um, and I, I, it was hard to shake that. And a lot of how we, how it, it's spoken about within Conscious Recovery is normalizing our experience and, and claiming our addictive behaviors as, um, Oh, what's the
0: word? Brilliant uh, strategies. Brilliant
1: strategies. Yes. And it, and that's so true. I mean, that was our brilliant strategy to cope with our life because we had no other tools. Um, so for me and what I see with our clients is it just brings a lot of light into, into treating addictive disorders and understanding and normalizing the behaviors of our history and how, what we're looking at while they're, while we're in treatment. Um, but I will say that it's one of our clients' favorite groups. I always see the conscious recovery books spread out throughout the house. Um, And our clinicians and staff love using the tools too.
0: Yes. Oh, and I wanted to highlight that too. Yes, we are so diligent about training everybody in these principles. Like we are not just training our therapists but we train our residential counselors, you know, the people that are with the clients all the time. We even, you know, we'll train our chefs and like the support staff around like these principles, you know, we invite them when we had TJ come and do conscious recovery, we invited everybody to come participate in that. Um, We want everyone understanding the tools that we're using. um, So that if a client is like having a meltdown, you know, in the late in the evening, the RC knows that, hey, do you want to try this breathing technique with me? Or do you want to try some tapping? Let's try to get you calmed down. Um, That's another thing that traditional programs aren't doing. They're not giving their staff, all their staff, including the frontline staff, the tools that the clients are learning um, to support them and using those tools when they need them. So mm-hmm. I love that and conscious recovery is also something I feel like we've woven in throughout our program and really tried to get everyone on board with those principles because they're so empowering. You know, TJ talks about how, yes, your addiction may have been a brilliant strategy at one point. We don't talk about it as much as um, with these labels and stigmatizing pathologic character defects. And some of the things that we found really actually just perpetrate more shame, you know, that that judgment and the labeling actually makes it, for, for some people, again, it, it's individual. For some people, it can be relieving to know, oh, I have a disease and you know, it's not just me, but for other people, it feels really stigmatizing to use those labels. So I love that conscious recovery brings in this piece that, you know, underneath your brilliant strategies and your maladaptive behaviors, there is a fundamental essential self that is whole and perfect. And to me, like when we help people reconnect with that, and that might even just be like taking them out on outings in nature, we're really lucky. To have our program be located in this beautiful part of Northern California where we can take clients to the beach, the redwoods, you know, all of that. And what a gift it is to put them in these environments where they get a chance, or through meditation or whatever it is, they get a chance to reconnect with that part of themselves that is essential, essentially unharmed and unharmable, you know, that part that is whole and light and love and all of that. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I think treatment programs are not including that piece.
1: Mm Yeah, I, I do love and appreciate that about our program. I mean, we see clients come, come into our treatment program feeling broken, identifying with being, with being broken, um, not feeling whole, not feeling, not feeling fixable. Um, and part of what we do within all these different modalities and treatment and just the space that we provide too within our staff is helping them to find wholeness, feel wholeness. Um, but mind, body, spirit, and throughout those different modalities, that's exactly what we're accomplishing for them to to be empowered themselves, to find that inner fullness for themselves, Um, and I appreciate that that we do, I mean, you touched on this, that we are teaching that our staff these same tools too, and I think um, it's not only helping the language of these modalities and what we're speaking um, be integrated through all the different facets of our program, but it also creates a space where our staff and clients are supporting each other throughout the recovery process. A lot of our staff members are in recovery. I say we're, in reco- we're all in recovery from something, um, and we all need these tools, and it's been super beneficial for staff to, to learn these things. It's been helpful for me to learn these things in my own recovery and in my own life. Um, and being able to use them alongside a client is pretty powerful. And I, I appreciate that too. And it just kind of normalizes that no matter where you are in your recovery journey, these tools are helpful and we're not alone and we can support each other through it.
0: Yeah. I will say that Avery Lane has been one of the healthiest work environments that I've ever been in. I've worked in a lot of toxic, um, you know, programs and, and stuff because people aren't doing the work on themselves, you know, a lot of times they're not or, or the staff, you know, they still have their own unresolved stuff that they haven't worked through. And so when we're really emphasizing, you know, and teaching everyone these tools, they, they I'm using them, you're using them, right? We're all I think what that creates then is a healthier environment for everyone. And I think we tend to retain, you know, staff longer uh, as a result. And it's just it's so uniquely different from other programs. And, you know, and, and, and people are noticing um, our, our data is showing that we're getting really good results, perhaps even better results than some of the more traditional programs. Um, I was asked to write a paper for the Energy Psychology Journal about our use of energy psychology in the rehab. And we can also add that to the show notes because I think it would be helpful for people to see some like real data. And we gave, we, I put in feedback from clients and therapists about what it's been like to add some of these more holistic approaches to all the best of, I mean, we're not discounting the best of like traditional treatment. We are using all of that.
1: And
0: what else? We've added these other modalities because we see that traditional treatment has missed some pieces. And I feel like we're just offering such a buffet (laughs) you know this like giant buffet of different strategies i love
1: that visual of the giant buffet of modalities and i think um we are constantly as a team as a leadership team constantly asking what else is possible what else can we bring in that can help really support women on another level because no two individuals are the same one person might really like one modality one might not respond to it at all so we aren't coming into a group or, um, or in front of our clients, like this is, these are the tools, this is what's going to work for you, um, because that might not be accurate. So our goal really is to expose them to all these different tools and modalities, give them the buffet and let them choose on their own what they feel like is, is right for them and works for them and really work on those while they're in treatment. So it's so ingrained in their body and in their their daily life and their daily schedule that it just becomes second nature to them when they leave our program.
0: Yeah. So let me ask you this, Camille, what would you like to see as the future of addiction treatment? And like, what do you see coming for the future? What would you like to see coming in the future?
1: Sure. Absolutely. I think, um, I, I think it would be great to see more, more programs kind of coming together to, support each other on on bringing new modalities into treatment and that could be sharing resources, um, sharing education on what they're doing, what works for them and helping other programs to bring it into their, their program. I think there, because at the end of the day, treatment is comes down to business and I think there's a level of competitiveness within the industry um, and my philosophy is we are treating individuals that are struggling. This is a life and death disease. Um, And what we can do to support other treatment programs, potentially bring in these modalities or educate them on what is working for us and it could be helpful for them, um, might help the hundreds of clients that they treat too as well. Um, I don't want Avery Lane to be the only program that uses these modalities and to constantly be on the cutting edge of of what else we can do to, to support clients. I want us to, to be one of those programs and then support other programs as well. Um, use these tools and modalities that have helped hundreds of our clients.
0: Agreed. And I'm the same. That's why we're doing this podcast, you know, education. That's really what I'm so focused on these days is education, letting people, letting clients, loved ones of people who have these issues and, and other treatment professionals know that there are other techniques and strategies that are scientifically researched evidence-based that have been newer to our field that if we use them not only will benefit our clients but us too because this is a tough field there's a lot of burnout it's difficult you know to work with these really severe traumas and mental health issues and yet if we're using these techniques for ourselves and with the clients I just see that everyone benefits. It really is a win-win for all. So I'm with you. I would love to see this getting out more in the world and um, all of us supporting each other in providing the most effective, powerful treatment we can to our clients who are suffering and who want their lives to change. Yeah, absolutely. So Camille, if people want to find out more about the
1: program, where can they go? Yeah, they can go to our website, averylaneforwomen.com. Um, they can call us. Um, we're pretty reachable. I'm happy to answer any questions about what we do as a treatment program um,
0: and connect with anybody who's interested. Yes, thank you guys. And we'll put all of that in the show notes. Um, thank you so much, Camille, for being on today. It's been, it's been so fun. And I'm just so uh, thrilled at what we've created and, and really this stemmed from your vision. You know, you have this vision of creating something different and you've done it and you've been very successful with it so um not just hundreds but thousands of people at this point if you look at the ripple effect thousands of people have been impacted by by your vision and what you've created so
1: i couldn't have done it without you and without our team absolutely
0: thank you yes so um thank you everyone who's tuned in today for this uh, episode if you liked it Please do share, comment, let you know all those things because the more we can get this out there, the more people that share it, uh, the more the platforms and algorithms will like spread um, this podcast out to more people. And and just know that um, if you are struggling or suffering, there are tools and techniques and support out there for you. Um, And I really want to emphasize you're not alone, Um, you can change these things. So thanks, Camille. Thanks everyone for tuning in and check us out next time on Kaleidoscope of Possibilities. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. This has been Dr. Adriana Popescu. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe and share with others. To find out more about me, my guests and more, please visit my website at adrianapopescu.org. See you next time.